Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading one verse there, verse 36. We'll be looking at some other scriptures here in just a few moments. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. The Word of God states, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Father, as we come and approach your throne of grace this day, we thank you, Lord, for watching over us and keeping us. Lord, what a blessed past week we've had, and Lord, the joys that you've given us, the, the things that you've shown us, Lord, even the leadership in our lives that you've given us, we thank you for. But, Father, we're upon a new week now, and, Lord, there are new things that we desire, and, Father, there are new things that you desire from us. And we ask you, Father, that you would allow your Holy Spirit to lead us into those things. Father, may we come in contact this week with folks that we can witness to and testify of your great love to. Father, may we come in contact with folks that, Lord, need salvation. Father, may you help us, Lord, this week to present ourselves as that living sacrifice. Lord, someone that can be used of you. And then, Father, now as we approach this day and, Lord, this lesson, we ask that you would take charge of it have your will and your way in things that are said and done. Undergird me and strengthen me, Lord, that as I stand here, Father, that I preach your word with diligence, Lord. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory. For in Jesus' name we ask this prayer. Amen. Well, today I want to speak to you on the subject of making Christ Lord. And this is a review of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, when we say the phrase to make him Lord of your life, there's actually no way that you can make him Lord of your life. Jesus, when he saves you, he becomes Lord of your life. And we must allow him to have the Lordship in our lives. And what I mean by that is that we allow him to control us. We allow him to lead us. We allow him to tell us what we are supposed to do. We're to live in his light and not in our own light. And I think sometimes we try to live in our own light instead of the light of Christ. We try to live in our own expectations and the own things that we have done in our lives instead of living in his light. And we, many times in the New Testament, in fact, there are actually two or three uh, letters that are written in the New Testament that speak to us about the mind of Christ and how we're to have the mind of Christ. And so you and I, we must make sure that we allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to be in our lives and to take control of our lives. He must be Lord of our lives. If he is not Lord of your life, then you will be in trouble, dear friends, because he must lead us and he must guide us. It's not necessarily the church that leads you. It's not necessarily your parents, young people that lead you. It is the Lord that leads each and every one of us. And we must accept that and we must allow him to be Lord of our lives. So as we look into this scripture today, it's a, definitely a glorious privilege to uh, allow Christ to be both our Savior and our Lord. Now let me ask you this, is he your Savior? If not, then today is the day of salvation. 
Today is an opportunity for you to accept him and ask him to come into your heart and to save you. And if he is the Savior of your life, then now is the day also that you can allow him, ask him to become Lord of your life. Ask him to start taking control of your life and leading you instead of you leading yourself. I can promise you, dear friends, he knows better how to lead you than we do. Amen? So there's a few things that we want to uh, share with you here. Uh, this is a sermon that the, the portion of Scripture that we just got through reading, this is a sermon that, that Peter preached. And in his sermon, it produced some things. It produced some understanding about the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that I want to point out to you is the essentials of lordship, the essential things that we need for the lordship of Jesus Christ. Again, Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Christ is the Savior. Lord is that which he is in our lives. And then he goes on, The God of heaven hath uh, made this same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, said this in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. Uh, you know here on uh, Wednesday nights when we first came here, we teached, uh, excuse me, we taught rather, a lengthy lesson on discipleship and what we need to be as disciples and how to get out there and become disciples. And then we uh, backed that up with soul winning. And this past Wednesday night, we started a new study on the tabernacle. And we trust that you'll come and be a part of that study on the tabernacle. Very interesting. And uh, you'll learn some things that you've probably never known about the Scripture and about Jesus if you'll come to that. But we see some things in this understanding of the essentials of lordship that Jesus teaches us in uh, our Scripture today. First of all, one of the essentials of the lordship of Jesus Christ is conviction. We must have conviction in our life. Now, what is conviction? Conviction is knowing the thing that we have done against the Lord is wrong and that it is, is against the Lord. Conviction is that which the Holy Spirit brings into our life and reminds us that we're Christians, reminds us that we are supposed to live our lives according to the Lord, according to His Lordship, according to what His Word tells each and every one of us. And so this conviction that comes into our heart, every one of you that are saved, you know what conviction is because you were convicted, first of all, of your sins before you could be saved. No one ever got saved before they were first convicted of their sins. In other words, you must realize and know that you're lost. So before the Lord can save a person, I said this a few weeks ago, before the Lord can save a person, you must get lost before you can get saved. Amen? You must realize and see and know that you are lost, that you do need Jesus Christ, that there's no way that you can go to heaven without Jesus Christ and his salvation. So, again, you must get lost before you can get saved. And so the essentials then, the first essential of the lordship of Jesus Christ is that conviction. Uh, these uh, convictions have to be some of the, uh, the same people uh, that laughed and scoffed at the Word of God. We must be convicted about those things as well. 
these uh, ones that were in Scripture that spat upon Jesus and did these awful things to Jesus, uh, eventually some of those very same people there were convicted of their sins and these things that they had done. So uh, G.K. Uh, Chesterton said this, to have the right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. So we have a right to do something, but we need to make sure that we're right in doing the things that we do. And that's what really conviction brings upon us. It brings us to the understanding that we are doing the right thing or rather the wrong thing and gets us to a point where we can do the right thing. When a person is about to die, you never hear them say, Gee, I wish I had spent more time at the office or I wish I had spent more time watching TV, you know. Uh, most people when they're getting ready to die and they know they're dying, uh, they look at their, their lives, they look at the longevity they've had, whether it be a short time or a long time, and they look at the fact that they know they're about to go out into eternity, and most of those folks want to make sure that they have an opportunity to get things right with the Lord. You know, they may not even have thought about these things beforehand, but at that point in time, they realize that there's a need in their lives. So there is the conviction that we're supposed to have. But then there is something else. There is conversion that we must have. Um, those that have been converted, these are those that have accepted the message of Jesus Christ. God has uh, uh, given them that word. God has given it to them in a uh, preached message or some form or fashion as they study the word of God and the Holy Spirit revealed those things unto them. And they, through that preaching uh, and through the understanding that the Holy Spirit led them to believe, to believe, they gave them that conversion that they have. Or in other words, they got saved. They were converted from the person that they were to the person that now they should be. Amen? That's salvation. So there is the, uh, the conviction that we're to have. There's the conversion that must be there. And then there is a commitment after that conversion that we must make. A commitment to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are those who yielded their life to Jesus Christ. Uh, they are those that made the Lord uh, the Lord of their life and also the Christ of their life. And so when we get saved, we, we make the Lord Christ of our life, but then we allow the Lord again to have the Lordship and we commit and dedicate our lives to Him. Our Christian life after salvation should be a life of commitment and dedication. We're solely sold out for the Lord. We are completely given unto the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we still don't do things in, in this world. We still do not have fun or enjoy things because we do all those things. But in all the things that we do, we do it unto the Lord. And we're sold out to make sure that He is number one. Every single day of our lives, we make sure that Jesus Christ is the first thing that we think about in the mornings when we get up and the last thing we think about when we go to bed at night. As we do these things, then He becomes the Lord of our lives. All throughout the middle of the day, we make sure that the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're doing, that we're doing those things unto the Lord and we're allowing Him to be the master of our lives. Because He wants to be master. He wants to be king. We must let Him do that. And so, work that you do, shopping that you do, uh, visiting friends, 
having fun. All these things must have Christ first and foremost in our life that we do that. And if we, if we would start out each and every day with that understanding and that conception in our minds, it would make our days much easier and much better. Then we wouldn't have to worry about people telling dirty jokes because we wouldn't be there to listen to those dirty jokes. Or if we were there, we would walk away. We wouldn't have to hear those things. We wouldn't have to hear the slang terminologies that sometimes people give because as we live our life for Christ, that then would exemplify who we are and people would see that and they would walk away from us. I've had times where people have told me that uh, they'll start to tell something, they'll turn and see me there and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, preacher. Because we must make the Lord the Lord of our life. And when we do that, people realize that He is Lord of our life and they become ashamed then for the duties and the things that they do around us and even sometimes to us. It's as though that when we make Him Lord of our life, we truly become Christian then because we truly are little Christ in this world and do what Christ asks us to do. So the Lordship of Jesus Christ, it is a, it is a period of of conviction, it's a period of conversion, and it's a period of commitment. Now, why do we do these things? We do these things because eternity is out there, right? Eternity is something that we're going to one of these days. We're going we're gonna to have an eternal life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in heaven. And if we have that eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven, the things of this world won't matter anyway because they'll be passed away. And so we must then make sure that He is Lord of our life here so that there He is the Master. Amen? He's the one who we yield to each and every moment of eternity that we're there. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 through 23, He says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by Him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Today, we must understand something about this. When, when Peter was preaching this message to these people, uh, there were some things that, that he showed to these people. There was an avowing that was made from the high council of heaven uh, that Jesus was avowed to be the volunteer to come into this world and to be the Christ and to become our Lord. When Jesus was picked by God to come into this world and to save this world, God made that statement that this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And He did not just say that one time. There were several times in the Word of God. I believe it was three times in the Word of God in the New Testament where He makes mention that this is my Son. I want you to hear what He has to say. And we can't hear what Jesus has to say to us as Christians if we do not make Him Lord of our lives. If we're so busy about being ourself and letting self-righteousness rise back up in us after salvation, then we will not hear what God is saying to us. We will not go where God is asking us to go. The song says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. We cannot do that without the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have to have Him there. How do you think, dear friends, that evangelists and missionaries and, and those that preach the Word of God know where God wants them to go? How do you think the churches know who to be their next pastor? Because of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
It's not just who you like. It's not just who you think ought to be the person that comes in. It's through and by and only by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a Holy Spirit placement. It's not a people placement. It's a Holy Spirit placement. And so as we look at these things then, we see that that he was avowed by God, but he was approved by his virgin birth. God came to the Virgin Mary and told her that she would conceive and have a child and she would conceive of the Holy Ghost. There was no man that had ever touched her. There was no man that had ever brought uh, uh, Jesus into this world. It was the very God that brought him into this world and he was approved because he was born through the Virgin. He became a man. He became flesh and blood just like you and I. So he was approved the virgin birth but we also find in fact let me back up for just a moment one of the essentials of our standards of belief as a Christian today is you first of all must believe in Jesus Christ believe that he is your savior but it's hard to believe that he's your savior if you don't believe in the virgin birth dear friends you say how can I believe that a, that a person who's never had any contact with a man could have a child? Well it's a miraculous birth you see and God brings this miraculous birth into this world and he becomes a man so that he can live as you and I live and show us how that we can have the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Always Jesus when he was on this earth he did not take credit for anything he did. He always made sure that God the Father received the credit for things that was done. Many years ago when I pastored in South Carolina, there was a young 14-year-old boy at that time who his family brought into the church one night when we were having a gospel singing. And that little boy, when he got up and sang, he, he at the end of his songs, every time he got at the end of every song and people would clap, he would shake his head and say no, and he would point up. This is not for me. This is for the Lord, you see. And each and every one of us today, we must make sure that when we do things, whether we sing a song, whether we preach a message, whether we give a drink of water in the name of the Lord, listen, dear friend, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is Lord of our lives. He is the Master. He is the one who takes control of our lives. So he was approved by the virgin birth. He was avowed by God in heaven. But his arrival to the planet earth, uh, by the way, uh, the method in which he came, the moment in which he came, and the, and the motive to save whosoever, this was all the plan of God, dear friend. And by the way, remember, he came to planet earth. He did not come to mother earth. There's no such thing as mother nature. Amen? And I'm sorry if you believe in Mother Nature. There is no Mother Nature out there. There is a Father God, though. Amen? And we have our feet planted on planet Earth. Amen? <laughs> not Mother Earth. We do not worship the Earth today. We worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And that's part of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In all the things that we do, we are reminded and we know for sure who we worship. We worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is Lord, and we must receive Him as Lord. So then we see in this thing that He has done for us, in this message that Peter preached here, he preached about some other things as well that have to do with the Lordship of Jesus Christ, some things that we must believe. 
and that is the fact of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 24, he says, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. In other words, dear friends, the reason that Jesus was resurrected from the grave is because he did go to hell in our place. He did break the chains of bondage there. He did receive the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he was able then to be resurrected by God the Father. And he, no, no man, no devil could hold him in hell. He tried to, but he couldn't hold him because the power of God is much stronger than the power of the devil, dear friends. Resurrection, again, a key understanding, a key doctrine that you and I as Christians, we must believe. We must believe in the virgin birth. We must believe in the resurrection. And we must stand on those things as Christians. He overcame the pain of death. He overcame the prison of death. And he overcame the penalty of death as well. We know that the penalty of, uh, of death is, is what God tells us that sin is. Uh, sin caused death and, and the wagers or the payment of that is death. The prison of death was, was his dead body. He was laid in a tomb. But he came out of that tomb, did he not? And then we find the pain of death. He, he hung on the cross, dear friends. And if any man had ever been in any type of pain, he would have been in the greatest pain the way he had been beaten, the things that had been done to him. So there was resurrection that Peter preached about that day. But he also preached about being received. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 33, he says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. When Jesus left this world in John chapter 14, he told us that, that he would not leave us comfortless, right? He told us, he promised us that he was going to come again. He was able to do that because the Father in heaven had allowed him to do that. And then the Holy Spirit came into this world. We know in Acts chapter 2 that he came in with a mighty rushing wind. And the people spoke with cloven tongues of fire. They were all able to understand the language of each and every other person there that day. It wasn't that they spoke with tongues and, and there was an interpreter there or something of that nature. They spoke because God was there, dear friends. The Holy Spirit came down into that place. Wouldn't it be good for the Holy Spirit to work in our midst today and souls be saved and the great understanding of God and everybody walk back out the doors knowing that Jesus Christ was Lord of our lives? He received this. When the Lord Jesus had accepted or was accepted rather back into heaven, he was exalted above every name. That's why now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And one of these days, dear friends, when he comes back, he's not coming back as a suffering servant. He's not coming back to take our sins away from us again. He's coming back the next time to take us home. And then when he comes back the next time, after he takes us home, he's coming back to judge this world, dear friends. And when he does that, he will assume the throne of his Father God. And he'll sit on that throne in the new Jerusalem that, that descends upon the new earth as it's created. Oh, what a blessing. He's been received to God the Father. We know today that not only is there a resurrection that God was a part of, but that he was received back into heaven with this. And, and then we know that he, he has been revealed. He says that now we see and hear. Today, dear friends, he's been revealed to each and every person that has been saved. He has been revealed. We hear him. We see him, dear friends. 
You say, preacher, I've never seen Jesus. Then are you truly saved? No, I've not seen him person to person, face to face, but I've seen him in so many things. I've seen him in a sunrise. When I've been sitting in the, in the deer stand up in the woods at 4.30 in the morning and, and all of a sudden the sounds of the earth start moving and leaves start crackling and the dew starts dripping off the leaves and, and the sun rises up and, and the wind begins to blow like it hadn't blown at all while you've been sitting out there in that stand and you begin to feel the earth waking up. You can actually feel the earth waking up you see Jesus in that in that morning. The other day when we went out on Lake Ontario and we were riding out on the boat and I, I think it was uh, Chuck that I tapped on his shoulder and I, I pointed to my right and I said, look at that. I said, only God could do that right there. And it was the sun rising up over that water. And what a glorious sight that was. I saw Jesus in that. Don't tell me that we don't see Jesus today, dear friends, because we do if you're looking for him. But the problem is we've not made him Lord of our lives, and so we're not looking for Jesus everywhere we go. And see, that's what making him Lord of our lives does for us. We are always looking for Jesus wherever we go, and we're always looking to the eastern sky, waiting for him to appear. Amen? Jesus being Lord of our lives. He was resurrected. He was received back into heaven. He's been revealed here now that we can see him, we can hear him as he speaks to us. We open the Bible up and we read and study the Word of God and God begins to speak to our hearts. The Holy Spirit there confirms the things that he says in his Word as we read them aloud or to read them quietly to ourselves. He confirms these things to be true and we begin to understand these things. We begin to, to yearn for more and more and then we'll study a little bit more the next day and a little bit more the next day and we study more and more until finally we get a hold of that truth that God wanted us to see all along. Oh, that is so sweet, dear friends. It's something that you can't get past. It's something that stays with you for the rest of your life, just like your salvation. And that's why we need to read and study the Word of God. That's why we, we study and read it over and over and over. Do you know that the Word of God is alive today? This book that we have in our hands right now, this is the Word of God. And listen, friends, it is alive today. When you read a scripture, sometimes I'll read a scripture and preach a message on it. I'll come back a year later, read that same scripture, and there's a new message in there. Because God's Word is alive, and it's always speaking to us. He's always telling us something brand new. And sometimes it might even be the same scripture. What a sweet, sweet blessing that is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, if we don't allow Him to be Lord of our lives, then we can't see those things. When we read the Word of God, it'll just be words on a page, and, and we might get something every once in a while out of the message that's preached. But listen, dear friends, if you really want to get blessed, if you really want to get encouraged, if you really want to be lifted up, then allow the Lord to be Lord of your life when you come to church. Amen? And when you do that, then when you walk out those doors, the Lord of your life will help you to be encouraged. One good identifying mark of a spirit-filled Christian are those who, that Christ has become Lord and Savior. Now, there's the potential of His Lordship. What is the potential of that Lordship, dear friends? In other words, if we allow the Lord to become Lord of our lives, what then can we become? What then can happen in our lives if these things work? Well, first of all, dear friends, we, we see the sword of the Lord. 
this, this book right here not only is the Word of God, but it's our sword. Amen? And the potential of this right here is getting in this book and learning this book and studying this book and understanding this book. And this book then becomes us. We, we then become walking Bibles ourselves. Have you ever heard the statement that sometimes the only Bible that people read is you? And we need to make this, this, dear friends. We need to live it. The words in this book that are alive need to make us more alive. And we walk that, we talk it daily. We, as we talk in our common language, in our verses that we have, we always speak about the Lord. It's coming out of us. It's like taking a dry sponge. We then become the dry sponge and we lay it on the Word of God and all of a sudden that dry sponge starts absorbing all the Word of God. We then start absorbing all the Word of God and we become the Word of God just like that, friend. How precious that is. How precious it is that when we step out then to go to work or to get in our cars to go get a cone of ice cream, you know, that we walk and the Lord is right there with us. And when we walk up to that, that counter and get that cone of ice cream and say, chocolate, please, you know, that person looks at us and says, well, that'll be $1.99. I know I'm living in the past, aren't I? <laughs> that'll be $10.99. I'm sorry. <laughs> Inflation hit very fast, didn't it? <laughs> And you look at them and you, and you hand them the money and you hand them a gospel track. But as you hand them that gospel track, you share the Word of God with them. You give them peace. There's always an opportunity. You see, discipleship is based on the Lordship of Jesus Christ, allowing Jesus Christ to be Lord of our lives. And when we can do that, dear friends, discipleship will be there. I mean witnessing, testifying, soul winning. It'll be there. It'll be the first thing that pops in our mind. Every person we come in contact with will think, reckon that person's saved? I wonder if that person's lost. And you won't just think it. Then you'll take the next step and ask them, hey, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? And you know what, people, I think people want us to ask them that. I, I think maybe God places people in our way that have been waiting for someone to ask that for so long, and, and all of a sudden you've been put there, and God says to you, speak to them. And you speak. And all of a sudden that person responds. I think I shared with you when we took the young people to uh, Lake Mont Park the other week. There was a young man standing there who was uh, on the paddle boats. And he was letting people go out on the paddle boats. And we took our group over there, and they were getting in and everything. And I didn't get on the paddle boats. You know, I probably would have sunk the thing if I'd got out on it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I stood there and watched. And the Lord said, speak to that guy. And I began speaking to him. And then I finally asked him, I said, now, where do you go to church? Do you go to church around here? He says, well, I don't go to church anymore right now. He said, we used to go to church over here, and he told me where the church was at. I didn't know where it was at, but anyway, it was part of the conversation. He said, we used to go there. He said, but, but all of a sudden we couldn't find a church where we were accepted. I think people are looking for a church where they can be accepted, you know? 
And they, they had been looking for a church, and he said, we finally found one. He said, but I've gotten where I don't go anymore. And I asked him, I said, well, do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? He said, yeah. He said, I know I'm saved. He said, but I've got some problems. He said, I, I'm trying to deal with those things. I said, well, only God can help you deal with those things. And then this is the next thing he asked me. He said, preacher, he said, how do you, do with temp how do you deal with temptation and pride? And I began telling him about the Word of God and telling him how that you deal with temptation and how you deal with pride in your life and how you deal with some of these things. And he looked at me and almost had tears in his eyes as he was sharing with me the things that was hurting him and breaking him down. You see, the Lordship of Christ allows us to get to where people are because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus went to where people were, and he did not come in above them. He came in the way they were and saw them the way they were so they could be accepted. And listen, dear friends, there's not a person in this building t today or tonight, if you come back tonight or Wednesday night when you come back for the Wednesday night service, there's not a person with any better money situation or any better personality than any other person in here I don't care if you have more money than somebody else if you have more clout than somebody else you have a bigger name than somebody else none of that matters when you stand before God because we all stand before God the very same way you're either lost or you're saved but God will come to you and he comes to us in such a way where he accepts us in and that's exactly what people are looking for so instead of sometimes looking for people that, that we can witness to or talk to that might be able to do something for our church, maybe start looking for those people that just want to be accepted. You know, God can change us. God can change us from, from what we were to what we should be. And that is allowing the Lordship of Jesus Christ to work in our lives then. So we have the sword of the Lord and the Spirit of God, but then we have the salvation of God that comes in. This is the potential of the Lordship, you see. And one day when man died, the Lord said to him, Come, I'll show you hell. He was taken to a room where a group of people sat around a huge pot of stew. Each held a spoon that reached the pot, but had a handle so long it couldn't be used to reach their mouths. Everyone was famished and desperate. The suffering was terrible. After a while, the Lord said, Come now, I will show you heaven. They came to another room. To the man's surprise, it was identical to the first room. A group of people sat around a huge pot of stew and excuse me, each held the same long-handled spoons, but here everyone was nourished and happy, and the room was full of joy and laughter. I don't understand, said the man. Everything is the same, yet they are so happy here, and they were so miserable in the other place. What's going on? The Lord replied, Ah, but don't you see, here they have learned to feed each other. You see, dear friends, that's what the Lordship of Christ does for us. We, it enables us where we can then feed each other. And as we feed each other, we're not just being fed from the pulpit. We're not just being fed from the Word of God. We're not just being fed by the Holy Spirit. We're being fed by each other because each of us become true brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we're feeding each other. We're blessing each other. And we're honoring the Lord then. Wow. That really is allowing Christ to be Lord. A minister is giving a tour 
of the sanctuary to some new people. He shows them the various memorial plaques put up in memory of those who gave funds to the windows. Then he looks over and he says, these gave funds for the organ and etc. And then here he concludes, he says, is the plaque listing the names of those who died in the service? Really? The people responded. The new people asked, well, which one? The 8.30 or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> now, I know you'll get that one on your way home. <laughs> died in the service? You know, people give their lives for the service of this country. They give their lives in the service of this country because that, that there is a reason to do it. And you and I are to give our lives in the service of the Lord, dear friends. We're to give our lives each and every day. And it is honestly that important. No, everyone is not called to be a preacher. Everyone is not called to be a missionary or an evangelist. Everyone is not called to be a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a, or a musician or a song leader or director. But everyone are called, dear friends. And we're all called to serve. We're all called to serve and let him be master, the master of our lives. Take yourself off the throne of your life and replace it with our Lord. And say unto him, Lord, you are the master of my life. Please lead me. Please guide me. Please help me. Please give me the strength that I need. And when you do that, dear friends, he then becomes Lord of your life. You can't make him do that. He already is. We just allow him to take that seat. Amen. And when we do that, what a blessing we receive. But remember, the first thing we must do is we must be saved. And if we're not saved, we cannot allow him to be Lord of our life because guess what? That's the first process in that thing of salvation. He, he, he brings that into our hearts and he brings that into our lives and, and he gives us that knowledge, that confirmation, you see. And then, then we can walk out the door and we can say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be in church today. Thank you, Lord, for doing these things to me that you have done. Thank you, Lord, for becoming Lord of my life. And, Lord, I'm going to allow you to do that. I'm going to allow you to use my fingers on the piano. Lord, you guide my fingers. I'm going to allow you to use my voice in the congregation when we sing. When we sing in the choir, Lord, I'm going to allow you to, to let my voice, it is your voice, it is not my voice, Lord. When we work in the office, I'm going to allow you to run my fingers over that keyboard and let, you, let me type for you, Lord. When we go out and we put gutters on houses, I'm going to let you, Lord, be the one that helps me put that gutter on that house. When we go and we build houses and construct buildings and things of that nature, Lord, I'm going to let you let me hammer that nail in. Lord, when I sit at home and I am a senior, but I take care of my home, I take care of my family, I'm going to let you help me take care of my family. And whatever it is that you dear, dear friends, I'm going to let you, dear Lord, take care of all these things for me because you are my master and you are my king and I am your servant. What is it, Lord, that you desire for me to do? And then you do it. And then you let the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your grace. Oh, Lord, your mercy that you bring into our lives.
how much we need you, Lord. Father, I ask you now that you would take charge. Lord, in this congregation right now, Father, maybe somebody wants to come today and, Lord, rededicate their lives, recommit to you. Maybe someone today needs to come and ask you to come into their heart and be saved. And Father, maybe somebody wants to come. Maybe one of these visitors has been coming. Father, may they feel the need to come and join with our church. Be amongst the fellowship of people that love God and want to see you do things, Lord. And Father, whatever that need is in this life, maybe there's just somebody who needs to get some things right with you. And, and Father, I'm asking you to allow them to come today. But Father, most of all, help us, Lord, to allow you to become Lord of our lives and for you to lead us and you to guide us. And then, Father, we can give you praise and glory and we can walk out the doors knowing that you're our leader, you're our master, and you're in control. So, Father, this is your service and this is your time. And I ask these things, Lord, to be done. In Jesus' name, with everyone standing Head still bowed and eyes still closed, friends. Ask the pianist to come and the song leader. Whatever number they've picked out, I ask them to begin to play and whatever that number is. We're not going to ask you to get a book yet. Just want her to softly play. Maybe you're here today and you say, Preacher, what you said today, it's, it's spoken to my heart. And I know that I need to come today. I need to come to that altar. I need to get these things right. Friend, will you step out where you are there? I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you that. I'm not going to make fun of you, definitely. And God won't either. God will accept you. Remember, people need Jesus. And people just want to be accepted. They also just want Jesus to accept them. And I, I tell you, friend, He will accept you just the way you are. You don't have to get any better to come to this altar. You can come just the way you are right now, friend. If you'll just come and let Jesus speak to you. Will you step out right now? While we're quietly and patiently waiting, will you come? Will you come, friend? What number, sister? 472, if you'll look this way. We're going to sing one stanza, and this is for you. You have another opportunity, friend, to come forward. You come and kneel at this altar and let the Lord speak to your heart. Those that are visiting, if you would like to join the church, you can come up today. You can come and kneel right here. You can take me by the hand tell me, Preacher, I want to join. Will you come?
you see in our in our walk in our desire to allow the Lord to be Lord of our lives that is what it's about it's about surrendering to him and I surrender all my life is yours Lord and whatever it takes Lord for you to help me to get there that's what I ask friend when you walk out these doors please allow him to be Lord of your life you may not have come to this altar today to do that but you can still decide to do that dear friends you can promise God that and then do it don't ever make a promise to God that you don't keep God remembers it and God knows let's be dismissed in a word of prayer now Father and Holy God in heaven we thank you we thank you for your blessings, uh, the truth that we heard today and the things that we have seen. And we ask you, Father, that you would take charge in our lives once again as we leave this place. Give us safety and traveling mercies, Lord. Father, as we go back to our homes and Lord, to our work weeks and all the things of endeavors that we have, encourage us and strengthen us, Lord. And may, Father, you help us to, to let you be master. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.